Well, hello there once again. My name is Greg Fish. I'll be your host for these festivities. This is the 116, a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Hey, and don't forget to like us and share us on social media. We are available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you'll be so kind as to like us or follow us or subscribe, whatever the vernacular is on your platform, and leave us a review that helps us to get the uh, podcast out to even more people. And you can go to PeoriaOne.com for more info about us and to leave us a message. I have a feeling today's podcast is going to be nothing but trouble, but we just decided we want to do a fun podcast. want to have a little bit of fun with you, just uh, kind of a casual get-to-know-us kind of podcast a little bit more so. And so the two guests that I obviously had to invite were uh, Pastor Tim Osmond and since we were going to make be making trouble today, Dan Phillips is also with us. Hey. Dan, did you bring a joke with you for for us today, or do you need to think about that one? Well, I'll work something in later. I uh, I will tell you, I did recently sell my homing pigeon. I don't know if you knew I had a homing pigeon, but uh-huh. I was trying to raise money my daughter's wedding uh, coming up, so I sold my homing pigeon on eBay. Got a lot of money, and I've done it twenty two times. <laughs> it's really worked out great. Okay. <laughs> Um, over the course of doing ministry stuff, there are a lot of the things behind the scene that we find to laugh about, but we don't always find a forum for sharing them with everybody. Sometimes we tell those stories among ourselves, some things that just seem to happen along the way. And we thought today would be a, a good idea to kind of uh, pull away that curtain and tell you some behind the scene things, because it seems like there's always something that doesn't go quite exactly like we think it should, and we end up laughing about it in the future. And I've got to ask, uh, first of all, Pastor Tim, any uh, notable story of a blunder or something behind the scenes that happened that now you can laugh about it, maybe not so much at the time? There are many, unfortunately. (laughs) But uh, at one church, we had started an early morning contemporary worship service, Early morning being 8.30, we have an early morning traditional service here, but this one was a contemporary service. We always opened with a song, and then as soon as the song was finished, I would say uh, to the congregation, good morning, we're glad you're here, and then I'd ask them to turn and greet each other, and I'd often have something funny for them to to say to each other. That particular morning, I said, good morning, we're glad that you've come, and you all look bright-eyed and Mm bushy-tailed, which is a squirrel. So 1850, they started this saying about being bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And so I said, you look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I said, why don't you greet one another today and say, man, I really love your bright eyes and your bushy tail. And then they all started laughing. <laughs> and so later I had to come back and I had to come back and say uh, that the previous announcement was not necessarily endorsed by the management of this church. <laughs> uh-huh. That was that prior to you coming here. That was like immediately before the Sunday before was. It, uh, well, uh, yeah, sometime before I ca- I came here. I don't make you didn't those. have to leave because of that. No, statement. I Good. didn't. No, there no, but there was a. Uh, I shouldn't tell you, but I will. So you just keep it among, amongst ourselves. This is our secret. It's our secret. So there was a gal in the church that on occasion would stand up and walk out during my sermon. Okay. And I wasn't exactly sure wh- always why she walked out. Sometimes she had somewhere to go, but sometimes she didn't like the the loudness of my voice was one of her complaints. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I just wanted to check where the level was of her leaving. So I told this joke about a... A, a grandmother and a granddaughter, and the granddaughter says to her grandma, Grandma, your pantyhose are wrinkly. And she says, Honey, I ain't wearing any pantyhose. <laughs> and as soon as I said pantyhose, she bolted for the door. And I thought, oh, right there's the level. That's the yes. pantyhose. 
<laughs> is the level. So I apologize to anyone listening that that's offended you and you've turned us off. But but uh, uh, but that was something that I, I probably should not have done, but I just, just checked. Many, many people leave a room when they hear the words pantyhose. <laughs> I, I, for one. You know, one, one of my uh, biggest, I guess I would say, blunders happened here when I was filling in for you one Sunday. And you know the traditional service has its uh, rhythm all its own. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that particular Sunday was a communion Sunday, mm. and I was really nervous about this because I, 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 filling in for somebody else in a different situation is always a nerve-wracking thing anyway. Sure. But wouldn't you know that as I took the lid off one of the communion elements, I managed to drop it onto the floor, which is, I don't know, is it marble? Are they yeah. marble floors? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And it resounded like a cymbal. And in that, in the traditional auditorium, there's a big domed roof. <laughs> so it sounded like just a big symbol clashing and i mean every if people weren't awake they were awake then and uh yeah there you go and, uh, dan now you haven't we called you pastor dan you're not actually on the pastoral no, staff but pastor. uh any any blunders in in your life here oh, no, that, i pretty uh, much um pretty much always said exactly what i was supposed to say at the at the exact time <laughs> Uh, no, many times I, I, I can't remember one to speak of, but, um, you know, it, it, um, it helps it. You don't take things too seriously. And, right. um, you know, that I, I like to make people happy and, and, uh, make them smile. So sometimes you realize, though, it's not the time for humor. Right. Um, or even an attempt at humor. My wife points that out, that there's a big difference between humor and my attempt at <laughs> exactly. humor. And exactly. I appreciate her for that. And there's a difference between the humor, you know, that you might speak across the cubicles in the office place. Yes, and, yeah. and Greg yeah. speaks of uh, the fact that he and I are cube mates. And uh, so we, we exchange a few things uh, back and forth. Uh, right. So one of the big things in the life of a church is um, uh, something that, we don't do as often in a larger size church, but especially in the smaller churches is the good old uh, carry-in dinner or pitch-in dinner or I don't know, whatever your vernacular is, potluck dinner. I, I, is potluck what mm-hmm. they tend to use? Yeah, it? Okay. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So at one, of my, uh, at one of my stops when I was a pastor, I made the mistake of telling the church how much I reviled green bean casserole, oh. my least favorite food that ever— that next pitch in, I knew it was time for me to go when there was three times as many green bean casseroles as ever before. But I found out that if I ever let people in a church know that I don't like it, some people actually get offended and they say, oh, you must try mine as if, you know, mm-hmm. they have the magic. What is your least favorite potluck food that uh, tends to show up at potluck dinners? Mm. Mm. Least Dan, favorite. Oh, um, well, yeah, oddly enough, you mentioned a carrion meal. Isn't carrion like roadkill? Isn't that? Carrion, yeah. Oh, you were saying carrion. Carrion, yes. I thought yes. you meant something else. I know uh-huh. you came from southern Indiana. Which we, and, we use pitchin in southern Indiana. Oh, uh, pitchin, pitchin, yeah. Pitchin. Uh-huh. Okay, my least favorite um, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Um, you know, the seven-layer salad, I mean, whereas mm-hmm. the concept is nice, why seven? You know, why Why just stop at seven? I mean, does something bad happen after exactly. seven? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like my salad simple. Uh, it's just you don't know. I, I like there to be a little sign that says the seven-layer salad contains the following seven ingredients. <laughs> just just be up front. You know, it seems like they're trying to hide something. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, any, any food item you've ever regretted eating at a 
carry in pitch-in no. potluck dinner? <laughs> Probably. I'm not a fan of Brussels sprouts, but uh, that's oh yeah, that's just my thing. Or or green peas. Oh, uh, you don't not, like green peas? Uh, they taste like little explosions of dirt to me. I don't oh, know. They're, wow. Really? Yeah, just kind of a weird taste in my mouth. But yeah. And the Brussels sprouts, they're a gift that keeps on giving throughout the later part of the day. Um, that and uh, asparagus, I think, has that tendency to, it, it stays with you. And we don't have to go much deeper than that. Um, I, think, I think we've already gone deep enough. I think we have. Uh, on that one. Uh, you well, brought it up. And, you know, I know some people actually take a pass on the deviled eggs as well because that's something mm-hmm. that can go bad if it's not kept well. And you just you just never know. And that's, that's the big mystery thing with a potluck meal in a church anyway is can you trust the maker of a particular Mm -hmm. item of food. Like, for example, if I know somebody in the congregation lets their cats walk on their counters, Mm -hmm. I try to make sure I know what they are bringing. I mean, have have you ever done anything like that where you've tried to just say, you know, I know who brought that one. I think I'm going to pass it on by. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to admit it, but yeah, every once in a while, uh, you never know what's going to end up in this Brussels sprouts. So just, well, and, so. <laughs> and are we allowed to have deviled eggs in the church? I mean, really, Good question. I mean, there should be a line there somewhere. True story. I had a congregant in one of my churches who seriously called them angel eggs because she did not oh, want them to be. Okay, so this, here's a great story, too. And mm-hmm. this particular lady, she was a wonderful lady, a great cook. But the thing that she was renowned for in the church was her iced tea. She made sweet iced tea. And people loved it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I don't drink my iced tea pre-sweetened. I tend to add the sweetener to it because I avoid the sugar. But I noticed one day her and her daughters were walking in with these big containers of cat litter. And I asked, what's the cat litter for? I said, well, this is what I store the sweet tea in. So I make it and I store it in the freezer, let it freeze, and then I bring it in so it's nice and cold. So she made her sweet tea in cat litter containers. Mm. And I'm not sure if she clean them out. I would like to think she did, but the fact that she stored them in the freezer. Did the tea clump? That's usually a giveaway if, you know, um, you know, oh, that's, that's funny. A, wow. No, but I definitely uh, wonder, you know, when I saw the cats walking near the tea, I knew exactly what we were in for. No, that's not a true part of the story. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I usually, but at potlucks though, I do, when I go through, I try not to load up just on the things that I really like. Mm-hmm. And I only take smaller portions because I figure I can right, right. almost always come back and get the good stuff. But that that way, if somebody asks me, did you try my whatever, I can say, yeah, because I take a little bit of everything and uh, and do that. Yeah, I had a pastor one time who said that he wrote the word spot at the bottom of his trash can so that if he ever threw anybody's stuff away that he didn't want to eat. And they said, well, how was that? He'd say, boy, it really hit the spot. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> so that's how you do that. Yeah, that really hit the spot. I know? like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the, the other sensitive thing, though, is there are some people who are very proud of the stuff they bring to a potluck dinner. Mm-hmm. And that's, one, that's the bad thing as a pastor is you kind of feel obligated to eat stuff you don't like. Like, for example, the other thing that I'm, I mean, I can eat them. They're fine. I'm just not crazy about homemade noodles. But some people think those are just the most wonderful. And I, ha- again, had a church that, they made a lot of homemade noodles and they always wanted to know, did you try them? What did you think? And you know, you're not supposed to lie. I mean, what do you do when people ask you, what did you think? Uh, I, I didn't have to hit the spot thing. Well, <laughs> my, what do you do? What do you my do? dad would always say, I've tried a lot of noodles and those were some of them. So you, you know, I mean, you're answering the question. Yeah. It's not necessarily with the answer that they were looking for, but. 
Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I, at one church, I did let them know what my favorite pie was. Uh, lemon pie is no longer my favorite pie. Oh. <laughs> because I got more lemon pies that, you know, they just kept coming. And uh, not not my favorite. Still good pie, but not my so I will not tell anybody what my favorite now favorite pie is. Now you are you talking lemon meringue pie? Lemon is that meringue what? pie. Okay. Mm-hmm. The yeah. best one I ever had was somebody made an accident and put twice the lemon in it. Ooh, and man, it was tart. Oh my, yeah, tart, I'm, tart. I'm having a little salivation as we speak with that <laughs> uh, yeah. double lemon. Yeah, yeah one yeah. lemon pie is great. 150 of them, not so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about um, things that we grew up on as. Uh, uh, from different experiences. I was raised in a, one of those households that was in the church every time the doors were open. At least that's kind of the cliche. And my parents raised me very, I guess you would say, I don't like the terms conservative and liberal, but very, if, if you want to use that vernacular, very conservative household. And I grew up in an era of the, of the denomination that I was in, that there were some very specific rules that I, I knew as a child, that there were four sins that as a child I believed were automatic tickets to hell. Those four things were, again, this is how I, just the particular way I was raised. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss. But you know what the worst thing was on the list? No. You don't dance. Oh, yeah. yeah that oh. was the absolute. Now, my, my views have, uh, you know, softened on those over the years. But I'm wondering, are there any things that you were taught growing up? As an adult, you look back on that, that, that wasn't, so biblical after all, those were just things that people taught me. I'll give you another example while you're thinking of this. I had a lady in one of the classes, I, one of the Wednesday night classes we kids went to, who told us you should never place anything on top of your Bible because that was mm-hmm. a sin to place something on top of the Bible. I found out later that is nowhere to be found in the Bible. It's just her, uh, you know, her, her thoughts. What, what things were you raised with that you found out later maybe weren't quite what you were taught? Sure. Yeah, I, the the not dancing one was uh-huh. one of those things. My wife, she grew up Nazarene, so mm-hmm. they were kind of the Marine Corps of holiness. You yes, know? yes. And uh, and so they they didn't dance. They weren't supposed to go to movies. Uh-huh. And I remember the first time my brother in law went to a movie, and uh, and I I think he thought he might just you know be struck by lightning on the way out. I can't remember. I I think it was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. We might have went oh, to see. Yeah. 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 And uh, so, but those were the things, and you didn't dance, uh, weren't supposed to, um, which is interesting because we've kind of moved, you know, away from quite a bit of that. And Jenny and I, we now dance at wedding receptions. So if you see us mm-hmm. dancing, and you'll you'll if you stand near us, you'll hear Jenny saying, "Stop that! Don't <laughs> <laughs> don't do that!" Oh my! <laughs> but I'm dancing, so I don't care. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just being funny. I'm just enjoying the moment. But yeah, so we dance. We she and I dance uh, now. My wife and daughters today tell me I don't dance. Um, nobody told me that, uh, you know, and I, I didn't get married till I was 26 ish. And so I had plenty of times where, you know, you kind of dance alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought I was dancing, but until I was married and had children, I didn't know what I was obviously doing, which was not dancing. I guess it was kind of a movement of uh, miscellaneous body parts at what I thought were the right moments. But um, I did not grow up in a um, deeply religious family. My father is a musician by trade. We lived in Washington, D.C. So his Saturday nights um, oftentimes, uh, well, every Saturday night was playing a job. And so he was out until whenever. 
And uh, my mother would take my brother and I the next morning to a Methodist church, and she would drop us off. And my brother was about a year and a half older than I. And the church was right across from a shopping center and right outside of D.C. And in that shopping center was a great store called uh, Drug Fair, which was kind of like a Walgreens, only it had a it had a wonderful magazine comic book section, and it had a uh, small diner counter that had chili dogs. So we would we would we would take our collection dollar, dollars coins, and oftentimes they went towards comic books or chili dogs, which we found out later. My mom could tell that we had chili dogs uh, <laughs> and knew they weren't serving them in the Methodist Church. Right. Um, so unfortunately, um, I, I came to um, know the Lord much later in my life. I'm thankful that uh, I did when I did. But uh, growing up, um, I wasn't a bad kid. I mean, I, I knew I knew things. And when they'd ship us out to Illinois to my grandparents for a month or two, which I never understood. They would always ship my brother and I away for a month. And I, I, did, I just thought that was cool. I got my vacation. They get theirs. But anyway, uh, my grandmother, she was a little bit better about going to church with us. And so, um, um, but I, I, I did not uh, learn. We didn't cuss anyway, so that wasn't a big thing. And uh, uh, those other things, uh, my parents both being in uh, – uh, my mom worked in an office in D.C., and my dad as a musician. They both smoked Campbell Straits till they were probably 60 years old. So in every room in our house was an ashtray. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of my jobs. And I think I remember under a bridge uh, trying some kind of a menthol cigarette and then getting sick. And that pretty much took care of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, by, by default, I didn't do those things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, kind of interesting, the little things that... Uh, uh, we learn and we, we kind of grow on in our thinking and, and things that we associate with uh, uh, being essential in life. And then we look back and realize, well, you know, I trusted the person who taught me this, but maybe it's not so much. I think another more general one that I learned over the years is you cannot catch your death of cold, whatever a death of cold is, by going outside without a coat on. That's mm-hmm. not how it works. Mm-hmm. And I remember using that as an illustration one Sunday when I uh, was back again in my pastoral days that, um, you know, it's one of those old wives tales that we, you know, your mama might have told you, don't go outside, you'll catch your death of cold. It, mm-hmm. it comes from coming in contact. You can go outside with no coat and wet hair and not get a cold from doing that. And I don't think it was the same Sunday, but within a few weeks, one of the ladies, I overheard her telling one of her grandkids, don't you go outside without that coat buttoned up. You'll catch your death of cold. And I realized, and I don't think they're listening. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. What things did you learn when you were younger, though, along that line? Anything that uh, you grew out of as you uh, got older? Yeah, we were always taught, taught as kids, if you're eating watermelons, if you know if you swallow the seeds, uh-huh. you know, you're going to get a watermelon growing out of your ear or something. Yeah. Um, you know, those are some of the things we were told. My mom told me one time she had eyes in the back of her head. And I was probably four years old, and I'm looking. I mean, I'm just kind of at the back of her looking for it. I said, you don't have eyes back here. <laughs> said, yes, I do. And she says, um, stand behind me and hold up, you know, so how many fingers you want to. And I held up four fingers and said, you're holding up four fingers. And I knew she had eyes in the back of her head then, but she was looking at the TV that was off, mm-hmm. and so she could see the reflection in the TV. She told me later, so about, yeah, about three months ago, and so now I know she had <laughs> eyes in the back of her head. Oh, Mama. Yeah, my mom just told me don't eat food that's blue, uh, even if I serve it to you. So I've kind of uh, stayed away from blue food. Mm-hmm. Blue food? Yeah, I mean, how many blue foods do you eat? 
Good point. I guess maybe a grape, but that's more of a, I don't know if I got any words of wisdom like that growing up. Mm. Um, my dad would say things like, wet birds don't fly at night. And he would he would do those things just to mess with me. And, you know, I was always speaking at presence. I was I thought I was pretty good at the way I could surgically get into a package, examine it, repackage it. Mm-hmm. They would never know. Yeah, right. So they <laughs> they started to lay little traps for me. And uh, so I, I um, uh, then would ask, what am I getting for whatever the event was, Christmas, birthday? And my mom would say, you're getting a silver Nenixley or a gold Wait-A-Wiley. I'm not sure. <laughs> and so that, that was, um, that was nice. it. Yeah. Nice. One of the things that, uh, first of all, Pastor, have mm-hmm. you ever actually lived in a uh, church-owned house, what we call a parsonage, parsonage. or have yours mm-hmm. always been your own? No, we lived in parsonages the first two or three churches we were at were they had parsonages so so uh, every church except for my last one had a parsonage and uh i want to think about scariest parsonage stories mm-hmm. because any pastor who's lived in a church parsonage has had some pretty scary experiences and maybe dan any house experiences that relate you can tell your story but my very first church was located in a flood zone and it was so bad the government had had actually moved all of the residents out of the area at millions of dollars of expense, but the churches didn't get moved out because they were churches. Mm, so the wow. church was still there and the parsonage mm-hmm. and, and a few people who were kind of hanger honors still lived in the area. I think maybe a few people who were running from the law maybe were living there. <laughs> uh, but I discovered very quickly that one of the, the, the problems with living in an area like that is the abundance of snakes. Mm. Every time I would mow the grass, I would see multiple snakes slithering through the yard and there would be snake holes. I found out there is a way to keep the snakes down if you pour a certain chemical down their hole, which I won't go into now. I don't want to give mm. anybody wrong ideas. <laughs> I, and I'm also getting nodded off on even saying this. But uh, <laughs> uh, but I was, I was telling somebody that I was doing this. And they said, oh, don't kill the snakes. They will keep the, the mice down. And my response was, I can take care of the mice. I can put mousetraps out. I do not want the snakes slithering around. I did find a snake skin on my front porch one time very close to the door. Never actually had one in the house, mm. though, thankfully. But I That had you a, know of. That I yes. know of. Exactly. <laughs> that you know of. Exactly. Wow. Any uh, parsonage horror stories that you don't mind telling? Yeah, it's not the snakes you see that's the problem. It's there the, you go. It's the ones you don't see. That exactly. exactly. Yeah, we lived in... Uh, well, I'll name the town. We lived in Cahokia, Illinois, which is actually below the levees on the Mississippi River. And we moved in the year, ninety. I want to say 93. It was the summer after, right after the flood that they had back then where the levee, somebody had messed with the levee and it broke. And quite a few people moved out of that particular area as well. Uh-huh. But they also had snakes down in that area. I don't know what it is about rivers and the water, and but... But uh, they had snakes. I remember mowing the yard and feeling something tapping the back of my leg. And I turned around and there's this <laughs> snake. Thankfully, not one with teeth or water, some kind of water snake, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was not fun. And one of the kids caught a snake and they, they put it in, in a big tub, one of those plastic tubs that's got the lid on it. And uh, when I went to check the tub, thankfully they had left it out on the back porch. But when I went to check the tub, there was no snake. Now, how that snake got out, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And when I mentioned to my wife that the snake was, was out, 
um, she freaked out a little bit because uh, she yeah. thought it was in the house. And I'm like, no, 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 it's out on the back porch. And she says, that's still too close. <laughs> so, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah, we have a church member that uh, they've since relocated to Milwaukee, but they live about two blocks from us. And um, she uh, told us the story that she went out on the back porch and she uh, went to pull up the blinds and the snake had uh, woven itself in the Venetian blinds. And so she went running out of the room and came, got her husband and came back and it wasn't there anymore. And so she went to get the broom and it was wrapped around the broom handle. Oh, and that's not good. That's never good. Um, but, well, oh, the spookiness. Now, we lived in a house in Havana, um, and it was a old Victorian house that was very porous in the upper part of the house. So we had a lot of bats. And mm-hmm. so you could mm-hmm. sit in the bathroom um, and, and sit on the toilet. Can I say toilet on the air? Or okay. potty. Potty. Okay. Mm-hmm. Toilet, potty. I was saying both. And you could sit there and you could tap on the wall and it would wake them all up. And you'd hear all this. Of course, my brother and I loved to do that when we knew my mom was going into the bathroom. You know, you just want to give mom something <laughs> fun. That, bats are a peculiar problem because you they're hard to get rid of. Once a bat decides it wants to be somewhere, it's really hard to convince them not to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. And I had a church with a really bad bat problem, and I learned how to uh, take care of an issue if you had a flying bat. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, in the, in the uh, what we call the fellowship area where meals were held, uh, sometimes I would hear people down there screaming, and I would go down, and sure enough, a bat would be uh, circling around. And what you do is they stay in pretty similar patterns. So if you stand there with a broom and wait, he'll come around, and you know it's batter up, and you can whack <laughs> oh. the bat and stun it, and oh. then take it out. I didn't kill it. Okay, so I I did that. I did, I was careful not to kill the bat because I didn't want to offend anybody's sensibilities. Well, absolutely. And then yeah, one one of the most ladylike ladies followed me out and she walks up to the bat and starts stomping on it to kill that thing. They carry, they carry disease. And I thought here I was trying to be sensitive. And the most ladylike of ladies is the one that went out and stomped stomped on it. The bat. When we had our um, store down on the riverfront, we had uh, the antique center. We built it in a four story, um, hundred year old uh, riverfront warehouse and it was filled with, you know, antiques and stuff. And one Saturday I get a call at home and, they said a lady was looking at a dresser and noticed there was a bat stuck to the side of the dresser. Mm-hmm. And could I come in and take care of it? So I came in and I got a I got a box. I was taking care of this this bat. It's about noon, and I put the box over the the uh, place on the dresser where the bat was. And I got a piece of cardboard, then slid it underneath. I was really thinking this through. So I got the bat in the box with the lid on it, and I walked two blocks south. I went out to the loading dock and walked two blocks to the south, and I thought, I'm, I'm smart. Look at this. And I opened it up. And the bat, it looked like it was controlled by strings in a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It slowly rises out of the, the box and flies very quickly back to the open dock door that I had left there <laughs> two blocks away and went back in the building. Oh, yes. oh, I don't know where funny. he went. He could still be in there now. But yeah. uh, Well, you know the old story about how to get rid of bats, though, in a church is you make the members, and after about three weeks, they never sorry. show up again. Sure. So oh, like we have had a bat or two, maybe I shouldn't say that, that uh, locate on the outside of the building mm-hmm. here. And again, they're mosquito eaters, and mm-hmm. they're, they're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I had a, a a guy in one of my congregations who I thought to be a very 
intelligent, thoughtful kind of guy. But when we had a bat loose in one area of the church, he began to scream, don't let him in your hair. If he makes a nest, you'll go crazy. I'm oh, thinking, yeah, I've have, heard have that you heard? He I actually have. believed that. Mm-hmm. So Dan, did a bat make a nest? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, that isn't the reason. But, uh, you know, I, I think bats are smarter than that. I don't think we give bats enough credit. They are not going to go into some lady's big bun and nest there. <laughs> I mean, you know, usually, I no, it just, no, that, wow. no. I never, never heard. I did hear that. But I didn't accept it as truth. That's funny. Maybe yeah. maybe your homing pigeon was a bad. Maybe <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Story. Maybe. Let's uh, let's go into our lightning round here. I have a question and just a quick answer oh from you. And uh, so here's the first question: Best Tom Hanks movie ever. Best Tom Hanks movie ever. Wow. If you're not a Tom Hanks fan, please don't break our hearts. Yeah, saving probably for me, probably Saving Private Ryan. Hmm. Um. I know there's one that I'm not thinking of, but uh, but I did enjoy the terminal. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, I've I've got to go for the easy one. Forrest Gump. Forrest yeah. Gump. That's well, a good yeah. one. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. He's been had so many, but definitely not Joe versus the volcano. Oh, that's the one, one I was. One red. Oh, one red man with shoe. one red whoa, 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 shoe. Backup. Yes. Yeah. That is my favorite. Is it? It is Joe versus the volcano. Really? Oh, we have that movie. We love that movie. Sorry, Tim. No, um, no I it haven't is seen so that. weird. Uh-huh. It, he has a brain fog, and who is it? Meg Ryan's in it. I uh, think Meg Ryan. Yeah, yeah. And a couple other. Look at it. It's a yeah. goofy movie. I mean, it is about as far out there. Thank you for reminding me. Isn't that <laughs> odd that he said it isn't? It definitely isn't that. And I raise my hand and say, "I'll do that one." Uh, but then That's terminal. Yeah. And you. I think Tom Hanks is one of the the best actors of our our time as far as, you know, just the way he can really make a role believable. I heard that on the movie The Green Mile, mm-hmm. that when uh, the man who played John Coffey uh, was, I think that was one of his first roles, and they said that even though Tom Hanks was off camera, he said the way he was emoting and listening to him just brought a better performance wow. out of the, the new actors. So, hmm. hey, Guilty Pleasure TV show, <laughs> a TV show that you like that maybe people might not suspect that you would like. Like, for example... Dan, I would be surprised to find out maybe you watch Say Yes to the Dress. I'm guessing you probably don't, though. No, but it, it probably would be um, the great British baking show. Okay. Um, I, I do yeah, enjoy it's that. It's, uh-huh. uh, uh, that mm-hmm. was one of those things that we do Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Yeah, Jenny and I actually binged that whole thing in about a month. Um, every night we were watching one of those. Yeah, those were, yeah very good. They're fun. So we're, I, I we, I, I'm NCIS fan, uh, Gibbs, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, sorry that he's, is, if you haven't seen the last ones, I'm sorry for the spoiler, but the last few, but he's, looks like he's retiring from the, from the show, but that would be, wow. his rules are, are pretty good, but. I, lately, I've gotten into HGTV shows, but probably Forged in Fire is one that is so unlike me because I will never in my life make a blade. But I love that show. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about it, but it's just it's compelling television. Favorite mm-hmm. Dairy Queen Blizzard flavor. Favorite Dairy Queen Blizzard flavor. Uh, Georgia Georgia Mud Fudge is the probably one of my favorite. It would probably be Heath, but what I really like instead of going the full Blizzard, um, there's there's something that I don't know the name of it, so maybe one of our listeners can help me out. For some reason, I think it's like a Martha Washington, but 
I like it when you take the Dairy Queen and you put just a little splash of milk on it mm. because that kind of crystallizes. I do that with ice cream too. And then I like to take just a, a little bit of the syrup out of the maraschino cherry jar and then pour that on there. And I don't know what you call that, but that's that's what that's what my go-to would be. Interesting. I, 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 I try really hard not to eat that kind of stuff, but this is the time of year that I have a hard time because I love the pumpkin pie blizzard. Oh, I haven't mm. had that. Oh, is it good? That oh, that's, oh. oh. I, and the other thing I have a hard time passing up in my new lifestyle are those um, uh, pumpkin spice Entenmann's donuts that you see in the center oh, aisle of the sure. grocery store. Mm-hmm. I love the way everybody wants goes, oh. <laughs> we, we get those occasionally at Loaves and Fish, oh, and uh, yeah. that and the apple ones that come out this mm-hmm. time of year, and they are a favorite. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, those are good. Yeah. Those apple ones are pretty, yeah. yeah. It's sort of the pumpkin. Thinking about a time in the ministry work that you do, that you were just to the point where you could have very easily walked away and given up. And and who is the person who saved you for the ministry? Can you think of a person who, when you look back, that person really made a difference and kept you going when you were just at the point of giving up? Who would that be? Mm-hmm. Who's your person that saved your ministry? Mm-hmm. Well, um, when I started here, I don't know how long ago it was, a few years ago, um, we had just closed our business uh, after 24, 25 years. And so I was getting to enter the job field again at in my late 50s, which was really exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had not filled out an application in, you know, almost three decades. And and so um, I was a little apprehensive about what my skills would be. And, and Mike Aluzzi was um, director of community ministries, also mm-hmm. former principal at Irving uh, School. Um, and he came to me and he said, Dan, I think, you know, this, this would be a a position that you could do well. And I, I fought him tooth and nail on that. And, um, I just did not think that I could do that. And I, I still doubt myself, but, but he did, he did, uh, give me the confidence to, um, do the job enough that I got to understand the job a little better, uh, the expectations, uh, the needs, um, and, and found that my experience in retail was an experience in dealing with my brothers and sisters out there and, and trying to help people satisfy needs, wants. Um, and so um, I, I think Michael Luzzi is his constant um, uh, affirmation that you can do this. Mm. Um, just keep doing it and you'll do good. Um, uh, Michael Luzzi, he's, mm. my, he's my vote. Gotcha. Mm. Pastor. Sure. Yeah, probably, uh, well, not probably, for sure. My wife, Jenny, has, has uh, been really such a rock sometimes to lean on, and I really appreciate her, her willingness to have a good conversation with me about what ministry looks like, what it's supposed to look like. She prods me on occasion, and I need it, but I think all good spouses do that. And But I really appreciate her doing that. There have maybe been a couple of times in ministry that I thought, man, I'm done, but um, but it's, it's a calling. And so you can't just, it's so easily walk away from it. So you've right. got to, you know, hang in there. And like I said, Jenny has been that really rock. I think during this pandemic, there's certainly been moments when, when I thought, man, I, I wished I were closer to retirement, um, because I'd like to just retire. Some of the things that's going on in our denomination, you know, there's some issues, uh, big issues coming up that may get, may get some what resolved in this next coming year, but Many things are not going to ever get resolved, I'm afraid. But 
So there have been those moments, but again, the the call on your heart and life. But I would say um, one of the things, Dan, I just appreciate that you're here. Not saying that because we're on a radio or podcast, and we're. But seriously, I really am very mm. thankful that you're here. Um, you you have such a servant's heart and such a willingness to deal with great patience with people that, frankly, I that's not my gifting. <laughs> pa- right. Patience is not my gifting, but. Um, I do love people, though, but uh, but Dan's just able to to step back from the what might be potentially an argument with someone who's very demanding, and Dan just steps back from that and just says, "Well, how? Let me see if I can help you, though. Let's talk about that." And mm. and he just has such a gift for that, and so I'm very thankful that you're here, Dan. I think our church is a better church and our ministries are better ministries yes. because you're a part of, of what yeah. you do here. Thank so. you, Tim. Here's the 20. Right <laughs> Thanks. Here. And, and, and next time let him start. Cause now I, you know, I didn't lead with my wife. Okay. <laughs> I know. So he leads after that. Yeah, I know he leads with his wife. So Kim, also Kim, Kim yes. was, yeah. <laughs> right behind Michael Lucy. And I was thinking, I, I, and Thank I, you, I could also pile on higher and deeper on Dan hush, as well because hush, of, hush. yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but, but the, I guess the one that came to my mind was a lady from my uh, church I pastored in Ohio named Pat Shaw, who uh, supported me no matter what. She never said an unkind word or a negative word to me. And I, I'll never forget the times when I was dealing with heavy stuff and she would just stand there and say, Oh, pastor. And, that would, mm-hmm. and then she just kind of grow quiet. And, but that's all I needed. I, I knew that mm-hmm. she was there. Just beautiful, wow. beautiful that's person. Great. Okay. I'm, maybe I should have ended with something like that, but I've got, I've got a couple more here. Uh, so somebody has cornered you and they're talking to you at length. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have to break free. You have to go to the little boy's room, but it's a, it's a, this person is really serious and maybe even in need to talk with you. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Do you suffer in silence? Do you excuse yourself? How do you handle those tricky situations? I say, Dan, I, I, <laughs> could you pause for one? <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, I, depending on the situation, I mean, it depends on how, you know, I might, I might just struggle, you know, through it. And, but that is, I think that's one of, actually, that's one of my fears. One of my phobias is that uh-huh. someone's going to catch me when I'm on my way to the necessary room and, uh-huh. and, and they're going to be in tears and they're yes. going to be crying and, and I, you know, what do you do? And the, you know, do you say, can you pause that for a moment? I'll get back with you. Yeah, if it's not if you know if it's not anything that serious, I would just say, yeah, let me let me pause you for a moment. I said, I, I let me run across my euphemism is let me run across the hallway, uh, which is where the bathrooms are located, by the way, from the office. So let me run across the hallway and I'll be right back. Um, but I yeah, but if they were crying and I don't know, yeah. Well, and I know from experience, one of the phrases I hear the most on Sunday morning is, "Where's Dan?" So I know that Dan gets <laughs> Dan. What about you? If if you're in that situation. I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I kind of uh, look at myself as a generalist going through this world, and I learn by dealing with those things and those situations. So, to the best of my ability, unless, like you said, there's a a place you've got to be, you've already made a commitment to someone or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do try, and sometimes you it um, you know bites you in the rear end, and you think I should have cut them off. But I do, I do try to listen because sometimes that is, that is what they needed at that moment. Mm, yeah. And, and their hearts might be free um, if they can just get that out of themselves. Um, now, 
he being Pastor Tim, uh-huh. he's got places to places to be and things to do and and people to save and all that stuff. And I'm just dealing with stuff. <laughs> so so it uh-huh. it is more it is more important um, that that Tim is able to do that. Uh-huh. Um, so and I'm not saying you know I, I what was the question? <laughs> it's, uh, so you're you're in a conversation, yeah, and uh, it, the person is taking is, is in a very serious place of need and you really 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 have to go yeah Yeah. i'll tell you what i'll be right back (laughs) (laughs) i won't do that to you now i i don't i don't have any um special things that i do uh okay my my last question i'm not sure how how dan might answer this one but particularly i I, i'm kind of curious what pastor might say you're you're bringing the message and a cell phone goes off Mm -hmm. during the message Mm mm-hmm and you know that you've lost everybody's attention at that moment. Do you stop and acknowledge it? What do you say? Or do you just keep going? What are What is your technique for handling when the cell phone goes off in a worship service? I I just try to ignore it because I don't want to embarrass anybody because that's what uh-huh. you're getting ready to do if you bring attention to mm-hmm. to the cell phone. Um, I, on occasion, though, do try to make a public service announcement before the worship service. And that is if you have a cell phone, if you push any button, any button will cause it to stop ringing. And I don't know how often I've said that, and people still, when it rings and it's your phone that's ringing, uh-huh. man, people just freak out. Uh, and they can't find any button. So Yeah, I mean, mine, mine doesn't have the any button. Is it, is it A-N-Y or, or N-E? Or, uh, yeah. uh, we did have a situation where I... A, uh, a person had um, a situation with their hearing aid, and oh, yeah. and it was emitting a, a noise that, uh, well, we had a lot of dogs at the door that day, but <laughs> it, it was a very kind of a high-pitched noise that that person did not register in, in their in their head, um, yet everyone around was, was picking up on that. And so, luckily, the person's spouse was there. And I just sat down in the pew with them and just waited a few seconds and then just discreetly leaned over and, and just said, you know, I think there's something going on with that device. And she said, thank you. Oops, I said she. That person <laughs> said, thank you. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's, um, it is a difficult thing because I think we have all probably done that. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah. Sure. You I don't want a, to embarrass them. No. Yeah, I had I didn't have a cell phone, but I did in one of the earlier churches where they didn't have air conditioning. They had to raise the windows in the summer, and there was a red wasp that was just circling and circling. And and more and more people began to pay attention to it. And somebody had told me years ago, if you if you do go ahead and acknowledge that it's there, it will then relieve the tension. So, you know. And so I said, yep, there is a red wasp that is circling all of your heads. And then, of course, some of the ladies went, ooh, you know. <laughs> and I thought, maybe I shouldn't have drawn attention to this one. But, uh, but I do, that, I, that one I remember. And there was a baby in one of the first churches I had that every Sunday, as soon as I started reading the Scripture, I mean, every Sunday, that baby would cry. And the parents told me, we're very sorry, you know. And I said, you know what, maybe... Maybe if you would just take a bottle and maybe when I get ready to be the cue, when I start to read Scripture, just poke a bottle in, you know, and see if that works. Um, but I remember that baby crying. And I just tried to, you know, rise above it with my voice and, and just, you know, preach uh, above the crying. wasn't the same Scripture every week, was it? Because maybe, <laughs> maybe the baby just didn't like it. You know, it's like I, I didn't speak until I was five. 
Mm. And when I was five years mm. old, um, I, my mom gave me a bowl of oatmeal, and I said, this is great. And she said, you can talk. And I, she said, you've never talked. She said, why Why haven't you ever talked? And, you know, I got this joke wrong. But I said, I, up until this point, the oatmeal was good. You know, the, then back yeah, that yeah. old joke into yourself. So <laughs> you you're going to feel good that you were smarter than the joke teller here. Well, not that I would ever do this, but uh, yeah, right. I, I might have at one point um, uh-huh. when a baby cried. So, well, I'm glad somebody's awake this morning. And that kind oh, of breaks the tension a little sure, bit because, sure. but, but the uh, the cell phone thing. If, if I know, if I can see that it's somebody who I know has a sense of humor, I've been known to dance, to you know, kind of break into a little <laughs> dance to go along. It kind of breaks the tension sure. a little bit sometimes. My my worst problems have been for some reason at nursing homes. I had a guy mm. actually slide out of his chair at a nursing home one time, and of course everybody's attention was on him. And as they were trying to help him back into the chair, they turned around to me and keep going, keep going. <laughs> Why bother? Sure. After, was it was he asleep, dead, just slipped out, or wake up, Eutychus? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, go read your Bible and figure that one out. Okay. Well, I don't know. Um, well, I I have spoken to a number of groups where you know you're probably at the end of your talk when you start to see them nodding off. Do you do you get? I'm sorry, I'm not the one asking questions, but no, do you can you see folks? I mean, I a lot of times I'm. I'm deep in prayer, I tell Kim, when my eyes close during the service. And so, um, mm-hmm. uh, do you see that often? <laughs> often. <laughs> do you see that once? Have you ever seen that? Sleeping in my, <laughs> have you ever seen that? During my sermons, Dan. Often. Uh, <laughs> okay, not often. <laughs> it's Sorry. amazing what you see, isn't it? It is. A, yeah. Yeah, you see a lot from up front, and I try to ignore it, but Yeah. <laughs> But sorry, often was a bad choice. <laughs> sorry, I have. Uh, yeah, but there have been people who have slept. Sometimes, uh, one fellow would sleep every Sunday, and I did ask him about it one time. I said, "Am I really?" I said, "I just, you know, am I really that off that?" Uh, and he said, "No." He says, "I work third shift, and so I've mm-hmm. gotten off at seven this morning, and I went home and ate a little bit and came directly to church. So I've been." He said, "You know, I've been up for eighteen, nineteen hours." And I said, you know what, if if you need to sleep, Go right ahead. that's actually biblical, you know, because old men shall dream dreams. And uh, <laughs> Joel and Acts chapter like two. That. So, yes. yeah, so that's okay. I said, you're being biblical. And he chuckled. And so <laughs> when I was in college, I spent two years pastoring a little tiny country church that was so desperate for a pastor, they allowed me to do it as a college student. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they hired me. And I, I, had a, I had an elderly gentleman, an elderly couple in the congregation, and he would always fall asleep during the service. And it would be so funny because it was all I could do to keep my composure when it would happen because it would kind of start slowly. And then he would close his eyes and begin to tilt forward. Just kind of lean in forward. And then his wife, who was a little tiny lady, I would see it coming because she would rear back with her arm all the way back, and she would come around and whack him, and he would sit straight up, and his (laughs) eyes would open up. And as a, especially as a young man trying to learn how to speak, I, it was all I could do. It challenged my ability not to uh, laugh too hard during that. Yeah. That's funny. I think, like I said, I think they hired me in that church too, because I had similar (laughs) experience, but I had a guy who would sit in the back pew and this church did not have a sound system. Right. Uh And uh, he would sit in the very back pew and then he would complain that he couldn't hear me. And I said, well, you know, you could move up. Oh no, I can't move up. That's my pew. I, you know, and there were plenty, I'm telling you in that church, there were plenty of empty pews. He could have moved up, but that, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, guys, thank you so very much for joining us for this fun conversation. We'll have to definitely do this again uh, sometime in the future. This has just been fun. We've gone a little bit long here, but I appreciate your forbearance. There's a good spiritual word, forbearance, forbearance with yeah. us here. But uh, anyway, Pastor Tim Osmond and uh, Dan Phillips, Director of Community Ministries and Mission. Mission. How okay. about that? All right. Thank you very much for joining us here today, and thank you all for being a part of the 116, a podcast about living life higher, wider, closer, and deeper. It's a presentation of First United Methodist Church in downtown Peoria. Please don't forget to like us and share us on social media. We're available on all podcast platforms. Please subscribe or follow, and be sure to leave a review for us. That always helps. And go to PeoriaOne.com for more info about us. And if you want to leave a message, you'll find contact forms there as well. Thank you so very much for coming along with us this morning for, or this afternoon or whenever you're listening for this edition of The 116.